Good morning. It's good to see all of you here today. Good morning to those who are online. It's good to have you with us as well. We're excited about gathering together. Um, we don't take this for granted. This is something that is very, so very meaningful to us. And, um, you know, when we, when we come in and we begin to see each other and greet and talk with one another and share with one another, uh, the Lord is with us. You know, it, it says in the book of Matthew that when two or three are gathered together in his name, there I am in the midst of them. And, and I think sometimes we think that means that once the service starts, but that doesn't mean that. Um, as soon as we begin to gather inside the doors and we're together, milling around and eating donuts and drinking coffee and uh, talking with each other and coming into the sanctuary and praying at the altar, his promise is that he is there with us. Wow, that's great. We, uh, we value his presence so much. Good to, uh, to good, good to see you today, and um, I want to jump right in. Uh, there's a scripture reference. Um, first of all, I want to just kind of like give you the, the topic of the day. Um, believe that to believe in. We want to go from believe that to believe in, okay? We're going to explain that as we go along, but there's a scripture uh, and it's in the book of James, and uh, like Tony said, you guys have stood a lot today, so I'm just going to let you sit down today. But in your heart, uh, honoring the word of God as we read uh, it together. James 2, 18 and 19 says, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works, and I will show you faith by my works. You believe that God is one good. Even the demons believe and they shudder. And uh, when, I when I see that scripture, when I read that scripture, think about that scripture, um, I believe that we're talking about a faith that is either believe that or believe in. And we want to be people uh, that go from faith of, of believe that to faith of believe in. And in fact, when we begin to think about the, the heroes of the Bible, we begin to think about all the people in the Bible that we read about and uh, hear their story and hear, you know, how they lived and what they did in life. And we think about all of the, the many things they did. It took great faith. We realize that those people were people of believe in, not just believe that. And so uh, just a few, just to kind of remind you of that, um, Abraham, traveling to the promised land. Uh, Elijah, the prophet, standing up to the 450 prophets of Baal. Uh, you remember, uh, maybe remember uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, and how they, we often think of them, right, uh, when, we, when we think of them, we think of them in the furnace, right? But something happened before the furnace. Uh, they were told to bow before an idol. And they had faith, a believe in kind of faith, 
that caused them to say, no way, we're not bowing before any idol. We won't worship anyone but God alone, right? So we could really talk about, and we could go on and on, we could spend probably the whole time here talking about uh, people that we read about in the Word of God and how their faith was a faith that believed in God. They believed in God. They, they had a real strong faith in God, knowing that God was their rescuer. And he would take care of them, and he would guide them, and he would direct them. So um, I, I want to illustrate this uh, with something this morning. I read this. Uh, I, I follow this guy on, uh, on Twitter and on, on Instagram and and, uh, and I also listen to podcasts that he does a lot. And his name is Jay Warner Wallace. And he is a, uh, he is a cold case detective. And a cold case detective has a really difficult job. They've got to take cases that have been kind of like uh, given up on. And they've got they've to find what happened. They've got to find out what happened. And so they've got to do a lot of digging. And they have certain ways that they dig for those kind of things. And he tells this story, this story about an officer, a police officer uh, named Mark Walker. And uh, see, a, a cold case detective, that, that's not all they do. They also investigate officer-involved shootings. And so this uh, officer, this, uh, this Mark Walker, he pulled over a person who had been weaving in his car. He pulled him over because uh, he suspected there was something wrong. He pulled this person over, and he walked up to the, uh, to the driver's window. He shined his light in, and, and as soon as the window rolled down, he could just smell the, 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 the smell of alcohol. And so right away, he thought, well, we need to do a field sobriety test. And so he asked this gentleman to step out of his vehicle so that he could conduct a field sobriety test on this man. Uh, the guy that stepped out of the car, his name was Jacob Stevens. And Jacob Stevens, uh, he didn't know, Officer Walker didn't know this, but Jacob Stevens was a parolee. And he had just gotten out of prison. He was in there for uh, domestic abuse and uh, just a lot of uh, very serious things. And so he had just got out of prison. Uh, Officer Walker didn't know that. And he asked him to step out of the car. He was going to do this uh, field sobriety test on him. What Officer Walker also didn't know was that Jacob Stevens had a 45, a Colt 45, uh, in his belt underneath his coat. And so this man stepped out of the car. Uh, Officer Walker, you know, started to direct him to do the field sobriety test. And uh, all of a sudden, Jacob Stevens spun around and pointed the Colt 45 at Officer Walker's chest. Now they stood 10 feet apart, okay? They stood 10 feet apart. Now, Officer Walker had been told, he had his bulletproof vest on, and he had been told in trainings in different times that that vest would stop a bullet even if it was a 45 caliber. He had been told that. He had actually seen it demonstrated on a mannequin or a, a dummy, okay? And he had read all about it. He had read the, the instruction manual for his vest. He had, he had told, been told all that. He believed that the vest could save his life. 
okay? But I want to read to you uh, uh, his exact words because as uh, J. Warner Wallace was interviewing him at the crime scene, this is exactly what uh, that he told J. Warner Wallace. He said, I knew that he had the drop on me. His gun was already drawn and pointed at me before I could even get my hand on mine. I just tensed up my stomach muscles and prepared to take the shot as I pulled my gun out of the holster. I knew he was going to get the first round off. So this man, this officer, knew that he was going to take a shot from a Colt 45 from 10 feet away. He knew he was going to take that shot. Now, while Mark knew that his vest could sustain the impact of the 45 caliber round, tonight, this is the words of J. Warner Wallace, tonight he trusted in the vest for the very first time. You see, he had to go from believe that the vest would save him to believing in the vest that would save him. See, it's different. <laughs> it's different when your life's not on the line. When your life's on the line, your belief has to become stronger, right? And so he believed in the vest saving his life. And, and so as believers in Jesus, we need to go from believe that he can save us to believe in him saving us. I want you to see this interaction from Jesus uh, with a man by the name of Nicodemus found in John chapter 3. I'm going to read 1 through 18. There was a, a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform these signs you do unless God were with him. Jesus replied, truly, I tell you, unless one, uh, someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. How can anyone be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked him. Can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? Jesus answered, truly, I tell you, unless someone is born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I told you that you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can these things be, asked Nicodemus. Are you a teacher of Israel and don't know these things, Jesus replied. Truly I tell you, we speak what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but you do not accept our testimony. If I had told you of, about earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God loved the world in this way. 
He gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. It's a, quite an interaction that he had there with Nicodemus. Uh, Nicodemus was, he was a ruler of the Jews. He was a, he was a teacher of the law. He knew so much. He was filled with knowledge. He was filled with all kinds of knowledge and he understood so many things and he had understanding of many things that he had been taught through the years of his life. And yet Jesus was giving him some simple things about being born again and he was very confused. And Jesus tried to boil it down to something that was very um, basic. You need to believe in the Son of God. Believe in the Son of God. Now, here's our intention at First Church. We want everyone to have uh, this kind of faith that Jesus is talking about here in John chapter 3. We want a faith community that believes in Jesus because the kind of uh, faith that believes in Jesus is life-changing. It's life-changing. When I was growing up, uh, church was a huge part of people's lives. You know, I'm... I'm 52 years old. Uh, when I grew up, things were a little different. Things were a little different than they are now. All my friends that I had at school went to church. They didn't necessarily go to the church I went to, but they all went to church. You know, we, when we would talk, I would hear them talk about going to their church. Well, we went to church Sunday, and we went to church Wednesday. You know, they would all talk about going to church. And so, uh, you know, church was a part of culture. Not everyone went to church, but most people did. Now, here's the problem, okay? And now, I'm not talking about now, I'm talking about then, Okay? Most people were living on the outskirts of faith. They went to church, but they were living on the outskirts of faith. Okay? They were firmly in the believe that crowd. They were in church, but it was cultural to be in church. So you see what happens when culture changes, and it's not cultural to be in church anymore, then that changes church. That's a problem. Culture said to believe in God, and that we should believe in God in our lives, so people did. Culture said church should be a part of your routine, so people made church a part of the routine. Culture said act a certain way, so people acted a certain way. Culture said that certain behavior was off limits, and so certain behavior was off limits. But culture has changed. Amen? <laughs> and now we see that we didn't have churches full of believe-in people. We had churches full of 
believe that piece. I'm going to give you a couple statistics here, um, a few statistics. A Pew Research Center sh uh, study shows that as of 2020, about 64% of Americans identify, identify as Christian. 50 years ago, you, well, you say, well, that's pretty good, 64%, that's pretty good. But 50 years ago, that number was 90%. So that's a big, that's a big change. Uh, churchleaders.com did a study, and they said, uh, the survey said that uh, people now define regular church attendance as going to church 38% of the Sundays of the year. Okay. So people who consider themselves regular church attenders may be going to church less than four times out of ten. Every ten Sundays, they're going less than four times. But you ask them and say, do you go to church? Oh, yeah, I'm regular. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to church. Uh, IgniteAmerica.com did a study. In their study, they found out that regular church attendance has dropped from 70% of our population in 1960 to just 20% today. Hmm. Now, I gave those statistics to the elders and stewards when we had our meeting, and, and I told them, and I want to tell you today, I don't give you these statistics to discourage. I, I really don't want you to be discouraged. Um, I really want to give you these kind of statistics and, and bring this kind of awareness this morning to uh, bring a, just a realization that the church in America is going the wrong direction and we have a job to do. <laughs> we have a, a mission field ahead of us. We have a work that is set before us by the Lord. And that would be a great place to say amen if you agree. Now, please understand, there are times I say amen, and you guys say amen. But please understand, I, I don't want you to say amen if you don't agree. I really don't. I really only want you to say amen in agreement if you really do agree, okay? So, you know, I, I believe that we have a job to do. <laughs> And that job, I believe, is to produce or to help people get to the point where they are believe in people and not believe that people. Because let's face it, James told us that demons believe that. So we want to be the kind of people that are believe-in people, which are real disciples, culture changers, people who will stand up in a culture going against the word of God, people who will trust Jesus no matter the adversity in life. You see, we have a, a way of, of looking at this. We want people in, in, the, 
in the time that we're here and in the time that we have the opportunity to minister to people and to help people to know what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, we want people who in the moment and time of their life, as they're going through life and they're encountering different things in life, joys, difficulties, joys, difficulties, that's the way life is, that we will be people who will not shrink back, but will get stronger in our faith. And that's not easy. So as we begin to look at 2023, and, and, and this is really... Um, this is really uh, what I wanted to give you guys before we get, get into um, the business meeting of next week. I, I kind of just want you to know where we're heading. I, wanna, I want you to know what our focus is. I want you to know what we're going to be striving for in 2023. You know, what, what are we looking to do? What are we looking to be? How are we looking to make sure that we're making disciples and helping people to go from believe that to believe in. Well, we have a four-part focus. Okay, don't you love it? A four-part focus. That we're going to try to help people move towards this kind of faith that Jesus spoke about in John 3. Not just to be attenders. Okay? We love attenders. But not to just be attenders but to be disciples who don't fade, but get stronger as time marches on. So believe in starts with prayer. Long pause, long, long pause. All right. The most basic uh, of prayers is foundational for our faith. And that most basic prayer that we need to start with is a prayer of repentance. So the first thing that we need to do is, as people who are, who are helping people to go from believe that to believe in is help them to take that first step, that step of, of repentance, that step of accepting Jesus into their life to be their Lord and Savior. It has to start there. Really, I mean, if you're going to start anywhere, it has to start at the beginning, and that's the beginning. Because, you know, a lot of times people try, they, they say, well, you know, I'll come to Jesus after I do this, or I'll come to Jesus after I do that. And they come up with a list of things that they've got to kind of clean up in their life before they come to Jesus. And that's not how it's supposed to work. You come to Jesus and allow him to take care of that. He'll lead you through that. He'll guide you through that. Okay, he'll give you the discernment to know what it is that maybe you need to cut out of life or what it is you maybe need to start doing in life. But you got to start with repentance. You got to start with that basic prayer that comes to Jesus and says, you know, Jesus, I, I know that I need forgiveness of my sins and I, and I ask you to forgive me of this and this. And, you know, you're just coming to him in repentance and you're coming to him and saying, Lord, come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. I invite you in. You know, it's a prayer that is most basic, and it has to start there. Prayer can't just be a, a regular scheduled uh, time either. You know, I, I think so many times um, when, we, when we think of prayer, we think of that corporate prayer time that we just had. And it's good. It's, we, we need that. We need to have that. We need to have that time when we're all praying together. But 
if that's the only time that you're praying through the week, it's not enough. It's not enough. Corporate prayer once a week can't be the only prayer that you have in your life. So prayer's got to move beyond that. Prayer must be something that happens for the disciple throughout the week. Throughout the week, uh, all of us need individual prayer closet time where we're just talking to Jesus and we're just listening to Jesus. You know, some of the most valuable time that I have in prayer is when I zip it and I just listen. And I'm just in his presence and I'm just hearing his voice. You say, are you really, you know, hearing an audible voice? No, I'm not really hearing an audible voice. But I guarantee you, when you come to Jesus in a way that you're in his presence and, and you, he knows that you want to hear him, you'll hear him in your heart. You, you'll get a sense of what he's saying to you. You'll get a sense of, of how he's leading you. And he'll say things to you and he'll lead your thoughts in such a way that you'll begin to understand, I didn't come up with that thought. I didn't come up with, with that. I didn't like think that I should do that because I wouldn't think I should do that. That must have been the Lord that was leading me to that. Okay? And I want you to think about this. When the disciples of Jesus showed interest in Jesus teaching them, the one thing really in particular that we have them saying to Jesus is, teach us to pray. They, they wanted to know about prayer and so should we but it isn't just praying on our own we need to be praying together when we're here to meet and now I'm not talking about the corporate prayer time I, I have a vision I have a, a vision of people praying together in ways where they're coming through the door and they're talking and stuff and then they're talking about something maybe that's going on in life and they say hey let's go over here in the corner and pray about it Hey, hey, let's go to the altar together and pray to the altar. And I'm not talking about the end of the service. Yeah, maybe at the end of the service, but maybe before the service even starts. I have a vision of people praying together more and more because it merits it. This day that we're living in and the, the troubles and the difficulties of this day merits more prayer. <laughs> more and more prayer. And so prayer has to be huge. If we're going to be believe in people, it has to be. Prayer can do what we can't do on our own, and prayer brings us closer to God. Second focus is discipleship, and so uh, I, I left on your handout today. I left some blanks. I left some big areas where there's blanks, and I want you to be writing these in. I mean, it's up to you. You can do whatever you want to do, but but I want you to be writing these in. Prayer on that first one, number one, prayer. And then writing some notes about what God's telling you about prayer. And then the second one, discipleship, writing that at number two. And what God is speaking to you about discipleship. Because if you take notes and you write it down, you'll remember it better. To move into believe in faith, we have to become disciples of Jesus, a follower of Jesus. This is when we begin to understand what it means to live life for Jesus. This is not just understanding, but this is applying it. Believe in means applying it, living it. <laughs> you know, um, 
I, I think it's interesting when, when you begin to think about like uh, how knowledge comes in. Like, how many of you realize? I can probably say this today because the students aren't here. Um, how many of you realize that you learned so much in school that you never used? I mean, come on, let's be honest, all right? Knowledge is important, but when knowledge becomes really important is when you need it to use it, right? And, and that's why once you get into college, you get real specific about what you're learning, right? Because now you're learning things specifically about what you're going to be doing. Well, when you're learning the Word of God and you're learning all about the Word and Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit and you're learning about salvation and regeneration and sanctification and you're learning about all those things, that learning is great, but it means nothing until you actually take it and apply it. That's being a disciple. That's being a follower. We want everyone who comes to First Church to be discipled in their seats, okay, in their seats. You guys all have your seats. <laughs> Except for a few of you, you move around. I'm like, oh, they're over there today. You know? so, the, so the sermons are going to be geared to teach and instruct what it looks like to follow Jesus, Okay. And, and I hope you see that. I hope you, I hope you can see that and embrace that. That when you come on Sunday morning, you're hearing things that will have, help you to actually live the life of a follower of Jesus. Okay? Um, so that's, that's one thing. But, it, but not just that. We want this to happen as well in our small groups. Now, some of you are doing small groups really well. And actually... I see you in several small groups, and that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. When I see you in this small group, and then I see you over here in this small group, it's like, man, they're into small groups. That's great. That is really good. Some of you are like, ah, I just don't want to do that small group thing. But you know what? That small group thing is important. That small group thing is important because discipleship happens in small groups. That's an, that is another opportunity and a really good opportunity to be discipled. We're going to talk about that. Uh, small groups have an opportunity each time they come together to help each other, listen to me, to help each other understand what it means to live a life that honors Jesus in like every aspect. Okay? We're going to dig more into that as, the, as time goes on, but I want to encourage you. We're going to be rebooting our small groups here in a uh, little, little less than a month. We're having a small group meeting on the 12th of February for all the, the, the leaders of the groups. And we're going to reboot those small groups, and I want to encourage you to get involved and be a part of a small group because it will help you. It'll help you be what Jesus wants you to be. We also want discipleship to happen through our technology. You say, well, that's good. I mean, we're, we're online. That's part of it. But also, 
I don't know whether you realize this or not. I hope all of you follow the church on Facebook, if you have that. Um, you'll notice, if you do, that we're sending out uh, right now media studies throughout the week. We're sending out things to, uh, to read and like little discussions and little, uh, little devotions and different things like that. We do that to help people understand what it means to follow Jesus, to walk with the Lord, and to be faithful to Jesus in their life. And so we want to do it through technology. We want people to be discipled one-on-one. This happens when we read God's Word together, understand God's Word together, learn to apply it together, and just really go out and begin to uh, challenge one another and keep one another accountable in uh, following the Word of God. You know, it's really interesting when you begin to read the Word of God with somebody, you're reading the same thing, you're coming together and you're talking about what you got out of it, what it meant for you, and then you're talking about with each other, hey, how does that apply to our life? What are we supposed to be doing? Or what, what you know, what's this mean for us? And, and then you're coming together and you're also saying, how'd you do with that this week? Right? And then that brings another level on because that brings some accountability in. And it's good to be accountable. I didn't figure you guys would say amen to that. (laughs) For the disciple of Jesus, application of God's word has to be more than a concept. It has to flow into everyday living where the rubber meets the road of life. Third thing is believe in. Or or the third thing in believe in is is that we need to love each other, okay? Love each other. Um, Loving each other helps our bond. It helps our bond. It helps our unity. Love starts with a decision, not a feeling. You all agree with that? Do you, do you agree that love is a, is a decision, not a feeling? It, it, it has to be. Now, love many times produces a feeling, okay? And it's, it's so nice when it does. <laughs> but it doesn't always. It doesn't always. Um, our granddaughter, <laughs> Gemma, Gemma was at our house last night. We were babysitting. Yes. It was fun. We, we had a good time with her until, until she was inconsolable. <laughs> then it got interesting. Uh, and so for the last, I don't know, maybe 20, 25 minutes, I, I walked with her back and forth in our house from one end to the other because if I stopped, she cried. If I sat down, she cried. It's like, I wasn't feeling the love. (laughs) What I was feeling was an ache in the middle of my back that was just killing me. It was like, man, I am am in pain here. You know, my wife's like, you know, Barbara's like, you okay? And I was like, no. (laughs) No, I'm dying here, you know. But I did that because I love her. And I kept telling her, I love you. You're, you know, you're okay. And I told her, you know, God wants to help you not cry, but you got to be willing to not cry. <laughs> you know? 
<laughs> didn't. Didn't work. It's true, but it didn't work. Yeah. So love isn't a feeling. It's, it starts with a decision. And so we got to decide to love one another. Amen? Yeah. Love happens when we connect. I'm going to try to speed up. Okay, love happens when we connect. We connect through personal relationships, small group gatherings, and fellowship get-togethers. This unity that comes from lovingly connecting ties us together in a biblical way that keeps us from fragmenting. Because it's easy to fragment. It's easy to, like, lose our connection, turn and walk away. We got to love one another and be in unity and be bonded together. Let me tell you, it's so important that we, that we try to, to do these types of things. And, 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 and I'm, it's going to sound like I'm harping on small groups, but I just want to say this. Uh, that's one of the reasons small groups is so important. That connection. That connection. It helps with the unity. And, and you say, well, you're just, you're just doing small groups because uh, other churches do small groups. No. That's not why we're doing small groups. Well, you're doing small groups because you go to the growth seminars and they tell you to do small groups. No. That isn't it. We're truly doing small groups because we believe that small groups help develop the church in the kind of ways that the church needs to develop. In love and connection, discipleship, these kinds of things. These are the things that will help build our, our bond of unity. Now, when we love each other that way, it helps me to know you and you to know me. You know some things about me. Um, but you don't know. There's a lot you don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure you want to know. I, But <laughs> I'm not sure I want to tell you. <laughs> but but here's the thing: when when we get in that that bond of unity and that connection, we begin to know each other better. You begin to know because uh, I've told you before. I think I told you this that I have I've had anxiety attacks. Did I tell you guys that? Yeah. But you don't know what, like, are some of the things that, that are, like, trigger that. And maybe if you get closer to me, you might know. <laughs> All right, we're going to do this last one quick. Number four is serving. Serving is always going to be a focus and a characteristic of God's church. Why? Because Jesus showed us that that's how we should live. That's who Jesus was. He served. He showed us the perfect example of that, didn't he? I mean, he was, he was a servant of all. Yeah. So we serve each other, and, and our love and our unity grow. We serve each other. Because a lot of times when we say serving, automatically people think, oh, that means we're going to go out and we're going to hand out food or we're going to... You know, no, serving starts right here. We, we need to serve one another. We need to serve one another. 
And so we're going to serve each other, and our love and unity will grow. We'll be making it available for all of us to be, uh, to be serving as a church body. We, we, have actually, we actually have some things uh, kind of, we're on the brink of some things that we've been talking about. And so we're excited about that and introducing those things and helping the church body to realize, hey, we can all get involved. We can all do this. Okay? A challenge, uh, actually a, a non-negotiable for our small groups is going to be serving in some way throughout the year. And so the small groups are going to be challenged to, to find something to go do together that will share Christ's love in the community. That's neat, huh? <laughs> That's neat, huh? I hope so. We serve to reach the world outside of our walls as to not become an aquarium. Because we are not called to be aquarium keepers, but to be called to be fishers of men. Right? Amen. So I'm going to wrap this up. So it's, it's pray, disciple, love, and serve. Can we get behind those four things? Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it. This happens through more focus on prayer, our regular Sunday services, small groups, and more intentional efforts to find places where First Church can help others. And I believe this is a godly focus, a biblical focus for 2023. Church, let's do this. Amen. I'm going to say a word of prayer. And we're going to have some good singing. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we bow before you. We're so grateful, so thankful, Lord, for the vision and the purpose that you set before us. What a joy it is to be in the midst of what you want us to do. Helping us, Lord, to be people that go from believe that to believe in. We want to be strong followers of yours. And Lord, we need to grow to do that. We need to, we need to become more intentional. We need to be faithful to what you set before us. So Lord, as we go into this year, we're just asking God that you will give us everything that we need. The strength, uh, the power, the clarity the wisdom, the understanding, but then, Lord, the, the will to do it. Lord, that our faith will transition from believe that to believe in. And, Lord, we may, even if we're all ready to believe in, that it'll get stronger and believe in. And we will become people that will not shrink back, not fade out but we'll become strong disciples and followers of you as we go through this year together. Help us to help each other. Help us to help others. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.